Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Hardwood Texas podcast. This is Brian Blackburn with HardwoodTexas.com. I want to thank our sponsors again for allowing us to do this podcast. Huddle, Waterboy Graphics, Scholastic Steel, Allstate with Jeremy Thomas Agency, and then Tumbleweed Textiles with uh, the apparel that they have for Hardwood Texas. Again, we're with Jim Blackburn, former boys basketball coach at Lavernia High School. Today we'll be talking about coaching your kids, coaching your own kids. Dad coached me all four years in high school. He coached my younger brother as well. And so he has a lot of insight, a lot of experience, and some stuff that he'd like to tell us regarding coaching your own kids. Dad, thanks again for being with us. You bet. All right. Well, I'm just going to let you take the take the stage here and kind of talk about maybe the uh, the the blessings that come with coaching your own kids first off. Some things that you felt were really gratifying, some things that were great, and some th- some experiences that you had coaching us that uh, were really memorable. Well, of course, coaching your own kid is is, is a blessing and a curse. The blessings, uh, you first of all, have shared success. Uh, no matter what you're doing, even if you don't have a great season or whatever, you're still going to get to share successes and fun times, and you, you have an opportunity to grow closer together because of that. The, um, the idea of being able to put a game plan in and work it and do things uh, with your own kid is, is so much fun. And whether the kid is a star or a role player, it really doesn't matter. The, um, uh, just the sheer fun of, of doing that. And we've all had it where, you know, the player made the game on each shot or the team won a great game or whatever, and how much joy you have with those players. Uh, when it's your own kid, I think it's magnified. Um, and so uh, from that point of view, uh, it's, it's, just a, it's just a wonderful experience to coach your own kid. All right. Well, now go ahead and talk about some of the uh, some of the challenges. Maybe I, I think uh, now that I'm a coach and now that I have kids, I definitely respect what you did and what Mom did in regards to how you coached us, and you kind of shielded us from some of the things that that went on maybe behind the scenes. That now as a coach, I, I realize that you did that. But uh, go ahead and talk about some of the challenges that were involved in coaching us. Well, um, first of all, uh, let's start from the community point of view. Uh, Every community, according to state law, has to have a certain number of uh, idiots. And those idiots are going to be in your stands, and they're going to criticize you. Now, as a coach, even when you don't have your own kid on the floor, you've got the idiots. But it is just it just blows up when you have your own kid and it doesn't matter how good that kid is i i I came to realize that over the years and i'll I'll give you a couple of examples um one year i had the superintendent's son on on the team and uh the superintendent at that time was jay martin in in lavernia jay's son kyle ended up being an all-state player just just an outstanding player Uh, he ended up going to air force academy later on and um, I was in the barber chair one day, and uh, the barber was cutting my hair, and Kyle was averaging, I don't know, 20, 20 points a game and, and, you know, five, six assists. He was by far our best player. And uh, the barber said, 
is that Martin Boy really that good? And, and I knew exactly what he was saying. You know, well, he's a superintendent's kid. That's why he's playing like that. <laughs> and I said, I said, uh, no. Uh, I said, really, he's not. I said, all the other schools let him score 20 points on them because he's <laughs> our superintendent's son. <laughs> and it just took him just a second to realize Oh, yeah, they don't care whether he's our superintendent's son or not. In the same way, of course, they don't care if it's the coach's son. Right. Um, but people don't realize that, and they don't think that way. And so there is the presumption immediately by a group of people always that you're going to favor your own kid and that your own kid's going to be uh, the one that gets the touches, the playing time, whatever it happens to be. And, of course, the truth of it is, a lot of times, the coach's kids are better. It's the same way that the farmer's kid knows more about farming and the mechanic's kid knows more about how to fix a car. Well, guess what? The coach's kid has been a gym rat since they were toddlers, and they do know more about the game, and in a lot of cases, they really are more skilled. That's, that's not an accident. That just happens. Right. But people don't accept that, and um, it, it's just a shame how people are, are going to talk that way. And so you just have to, um, you have to be confident enough in yourself uh, to, um, uh, to just go on and do what you know is right. Now, in the case of, of Brian and Doug, uh, Brian was a much better player than Doug was. In fact, Doug never started until he was a senior. Uh, and even then, he wasn't the leading scorer on the team. He was he was more of just a, a role player type of guy. Doug Doug uh, made Doug made Bill Lambeer look like Mother Teresa. <laughs> well, it's true. He, he was more of a defensive end than he, he was a uh, a basketball player. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, Doug Doug took a lot of charges in games, uh, you know, and uh, he had a lot of fun doing a lot of things. <laughs> but he certainly wasn't the skilled player that that Brian was, and so. You know, I don't know whether people realized when they when they saw that and made a comparison or a contrast whether that helped any or not later on. But, yeah. Well, let me ask you. It, let me ask you. Was it was it easier to coach Doug than coach me in regards to the perception of the those you know the percentage of people who you know thought that it was unfair? It, it, it probably was, uh, but you know, um, in, in your case, of course because you were better than a lot of older players, that caused problems Yeah, uh, for them, for the older players and their parents. Uh, with Doug's case, because he didn't even start till he was a senior, uh, he was playing with his own peer group. And just like with your peer group, they had played with you all along. They right. You and they, they were fine with it. It was the older guys. So Doug didn't have to face that criticism. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well... Um, just a just a couple other things, you know, that I that I remember that I was pretty thankful for, and then I'll let you comment or or uh, you know say say what you think regarding this. But when I was a ninth grader going into my ninth grade year, you told me that you were going to be harder on me than you were on the other players, and that I had to respond positively to that. And I think knowing that going in helped me with my mindset regarding different things and so even though I wasn't on varsity most of the season as a freshman whenever we did scrimmage the varsity or whenever we did something with the varsity you know I had that mindset already knowing okay dad was going to be harder on me but I also knew because of the way mom was 
at home that it wasn't ever going to spill over when I got home. Like it, it was going to at the gym, it was going to finish at the gym or on the ride home. And then that was it. Go ahead and talk a little bit about that dynamic. Yeah, I think you got to leave it at the gym. I, I absolutely do. I, I think, um, uh, just like I wouldn't want uh, uh, somebody coming into my house and starting to talk basketball on a business level with me. I don't want the athletic director or somebody else coming in. Uh, you know, <laughs> you're my son, uh, regardless of the time of day or the season or whatever. And that has to be that has to be the preeminent thing. When you're when you're in the gym and you're coaching, uh, that, that's a different deal. But when you when you're going home, I, I think you've got to shut it down. And so many coaches uh, are not able to do that. Uh, if you've ever you know uh, listened to how Pete Maravich talked about his dad, he said sometimes he just doesn't know whether he was his dad or his coach. And I never wanted to have that. I never wanted to have that confusion. Right. Uh, and um, if if and when we were talking any basketball at all. Uh, mom was very quick a lot of times at home to say, "Oh, you know, stop that." You know? Right. Even though sometimes it was pretty harmless stuff. It wasn't. It wasn't criticism or whatever. Right. Well. But another thing that another thing that you know when we were home, I was the one that had to bring it up. I was the one that had to initiate the conversation or uh, talk about the game or the scouting report. It wasn't. It wasn't coach driven. It was always player driven. And then, you know, there were times where you also would say, do you want me to talk to you as your dad or do you want me to talk to you as your coach? And I, I most of the time chose dad. So, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, but there, I mean, there was that, there was that dynamic as well. I thought that was really good because, you know, I was allowed to turn it off and on too whenever we got home. And, you know, I've been in, I've been in situations where, and, and this is a little bit unrelated, but the coach's son is the best player. And the coach slash dad cannot discipline their best player, and it, it's just right. it's magnified a hundred times when the best player is the coach's son, and the coach can't discipline the best player. And I, I think well, that's a big deal too. Talk about how you disciplined, you know, uh, maybe me as a player when I was a junior and a senior. Well, I mean, as far as team discipline, as far as player discipline, that that never changed. I mean, you got the same discipline and the same uh, the same treatment in that way as as anybody else, and the expectations were exactly the same. Or at least I tried to make them the same. Um, I have seen coaches, and we we all have in different situations. Some coaches, you know, promote their kids. I was on a committee one time, and we got to a certain player, and uh, he wasn't in my region. And I was I was the chairman, and I didn't. And I said, well, we've got. I mentioned this kid, and. And um, one of the coaches from that region said, you know, he averaged yeah, that many points, but he said his dad kept him in every game. He said no matter how far ahead they were, uh, that player was going to be in there scoring. He said he they pumped up his stats. Yeah. And, um, and so I've seen coaches do that. I've seen coaches that were too hard on their kids. Their level of expectation was so much greater for their kid that they they hollered at them too much. They were too hard on them. And, you know, we just all have to guard against that. I mean, we, we have to step back. Now, I'll tell you something, though, and, you know, Brian, you may be aware of it, you may not, but, you know, I use Coach Grubb, my assistant, a lot to communicate with you. Yeah. 
uh, you know, coming out, you know, when Coach Grubb and I, even before coming out of practice, uh, coming out for, for athletic period, I would say, you know, make sure, you know, that Brian's doing this or that. And I wouldn't ever say anything to you. Uh, but when y'all started going into your individual and group work that we did during athletic period, he was telling you those things, and I wasn't having to. Right. And the same thing was true in games sometimes. Uh, you would have done something uh, good or bad or whatever or indifferent. We just need to change something or whatever. And I would turn to Scott and say, hey, get Brian to do this or that. So you weren't always having to hear my voice all of the time. And I did that with other athletes, too. I used my assistant. Right. Um, so I think that's really valuable if you've got a trusted assistant that you can, you can bring, bring your own kid along without having to, them always hear your voice. Right. That's a good point. Yeah, and I, I guess I, I did realize it at, you know, at the time I didn't, but now thinking about it, definitely Coach Grubb was more vocal towards me individually uh, during certain parts of the game and season. Uh, sure. A cu- couple other things that I, I'm pretty thankful for as well. You know, Sundays at the gym – in between church services on Sunday, we'd go up to the gym for about three and a half, four hours and you'd work and I'd, I'd work out. And there were times where I would call you in there to, to rebound for me or put me through some drills or whatever, but you never initiated that. It was always, you know, on my own accord. And I, I really appreciate that because there could have been times, especially as, as a sophomore and a freshman where you could have come in there and said, Hey, you really need to work on this. And you never did that. You let me be the one to say, hey, can you come rebound for me? Or uh, we couldn't play one-on-one, but we, you, know, you could do different things like that. And so I was really appreciative about that because that was just – you weren't there as a coach. You were this, just there as a helper at that point. And I, you know, I, I appreciate that because that allowed me to continue to grow as a player and really helped me develop that – work ethic on my own, you know, playing basketball by myself for four hours and then, you know, every now and then calling you in there really helped. Go ahead and talk about your well, th- your thoughts on that. Well, we certainly all understand that a coach's kid has has a lot of opportunities other kids don't have. And that's, for instance, that Sunday, just going up there and doing that. I never wanted to push you to the point where it wasn't fun. Right. And that's, that's a point that I think probably always need, needs to be made. You know, I coached because it was fun. It wasn't lucrative. Uh, it had a lot of uh, long hours and a lot of other things. I coached because as a, as, a, as a young kid, I had fallen in love with sports, and I just always wanted to be around it and be involved with it, and it was fun. And, you know, if you make it where it's fun for your own child without putting pressure on them, without making them feel like they have to do it, then – uh, then you're going to have that result. On the other hand, so many coaches put so much pressure on their kids that it, it, it becomes it becomes a task for them, and it shouldn't be. It ought to be fun. Right. And, you know, when it becomes a burden, then that burnout takes place. I, I, I didn't ever feel burned out with basketball until I was a sophomore in college and playing basketball became a job. And then I kind of got refreshed after that, but – it wasn't, I never felt burned out. And I think part of that too is, is kind of my next point. You know, I didn't start playing AAU basketball with a, with a real AAU team until the end of my sophomore year through my junior year. And then before my senior year, 
And I think that was good as well because when some of these guys had already played 200 AAU games, it was my 20th. And so when we're playing at 8 in the morning at uh, the Great American Shootout, I'm pumped up. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. And maybe some of the other guys on the other team and even some of the guys on my team, it was just another game. Go ahead and talk about how you kind of planned that out or how the, the AAU the circuit and the, the activities with AAU worked out for us and why you did it the way you did. Go ahead and talk about how that kind of worked out. Well, I, I did not want a commitment to, to AAU or to anything else that, again, became a burden. And we, we have all seen it. Kids that play Little League, and then they play other stuff, and then the next thing you know, they don't even play in high school, or they stop playing, or they just they they just don't seem to have much joy in it anymore. Uh, the parents have a tendency to live vicariously, of course, to their kids anyway. And so, what I wanted was I wanted it to be a fun experience. And of course, we had the advantage in Lavernia of having a summer basketball league, and so. Kids were going to get to play in the summertime against other opposition. And the thing that we did in Laverne, and maybe we'll end up talking about this later on, because I think our design for our summer basketball league was great, because we didn't have coaches. Right. We had rules about substitutions, and we had rules about uh, how kids played, but <laughs> we didn't have any coaches. So the players self-coached their own teams. And that was a lot of fun for a lot of kids. Yeah. Uh, we just didn't want to have any burnout. The AAU thing I do think is, is a wonderful opportunity. But like we've all seen, AAU can really become a major financial burden. It can become a hassle. You can have coaches that are not well qualified. And so uh, we waited until you know, we saw the exact right opportunity. And uh, uh, Coach Bogus uh, at Alamo Heights and I had talked. And uh, that, that was what sort of led you into the AAU team that you played for. Um, and uh, so I knew going in what kind of players were going to be involved, what kind of coaches were going to be involved, and what kind of financial responsibility there would be. In our case, of course, there was one. Right. So, um, but, yeah, I, I, I think it's really important to not, uh, not make it where it just becomes miserable. You played Spurs League when you were a little kid, and, of course, that was – you know, one practice and then play on Saturdays. Right. And um, that was another one of those deals where you weren't having four nights a week of practice. Kids get tired of that. Right. Adults get tired of it. But imagine a small child. And coaches, it's a whole lot better to roll a ball out there and have some friends up at the gym and just let the kids do it themselves, and they'll have lots of fun playing. Yeah. And uh, one thing, I, I probably got yelled out more by Coach Joe in AAU in one summer than I did you my whole career. So <laughs> That's probably true. Yeah, yeah. He was a, he was a yeller, but he was also a good guy. He was. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was. He was a good guy. Well, anything else you want to add uh, as we as we close this out? Any regrets coaching your kids? Any anything you would change or do differently? Anything that maybe would help some of these guys? I know there's guys on the on the coaching board here at Hardwood Texas that are in the process of coaching their kids or are, are just just starting out with their kids in junior high. So go ahead and give us a little bit of insight, maybe some things you would change or uh, anything anything like that. Well, just some 
rambling thoughts here. First of all, you better have a thick skin because they're going to say it. You know, you just got idiots out there, and people are going to say it no matter how good your kid is or how well uh, you coach everybody else. Um, um, I would say it's um, it's incredibly important um, that you just keep your perspective and don't become don't become too frustrated with your own kid. Um, that's easy to happen. You expect more of them, uh, and of course, you, you want them to succeed and you want them to do so well. And so, it's very easy, I think, for for you to become uh, too frustrated and that sort of thing. I'll also relay a story that Brian is immediately going to recognize. Brian was the best player on the team. We were involved in a district ball game. It was going to come down to the other team having the last shot. And Brian said, put me on this player. And if Brian had not been my son, I probably would have said, okay, let's do that. Um, he was my best player. He had a good feel for the game. I should have let him guard that other player. Instead, I said, no, we're going to leave so-and-so on him. Uh, that cost us a district ball game because I think Brian could have stopped that guy in the, in the maneuver that the other team put in. And um, so you don't want to favor your kid. On the other hand, you've got to be realistic about the role that they're playing on the team. And uh, uh, that may be one of the biggest regrets that I have, is that uh, had it been uh, another player in a different era that wasn't my son, I would have said, okay, let's do it. Let's switch him over. Yeah. Uh, because if your best player wants to do something, uh, like we all know, hey, there's a reason they're the best player, and there's a reason that you count on them, put them in the position to make the play. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, we didn't win that game, but everything ended up okay in the end there, and I, I do appreciate everything that you did, and I think I have a good blueprint on how to coach my own kids if that happens in the future. So I appreciate that. And I know other coaches will appreciate this as well. So dad, thanks again for being with us. This is the hardwoodtexas.com podcast and appreciate you guys for listening. We'll see you next time.